Thanks for tuning in to the IGM podcast. We're so glad you've decided to explore God's word with us. We look forward to connecting with you in email at infointegritygm.com or online at our website, www.integritygm.com. We hope this podcast encourages you to grow in the knowledge of God through his word. Be blessed. Blessings to everyone today in the name of Jesus the Christ. Today we're going to be looking at the second part of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Alan is here with me. We're going to be reading together and studying this together, and hopefully it will bring some insight into this whole letter that that Paul is writing to the Corinthian church. We covered the first 16 verses the last time, and on that it was about the head covering. And we're not going to go back into that, but you can look at that on another tape. But today we're going to be starting in verse 17. But in giving this instruction, I do not praise you, because you come together not for the better, but for the worse. And I believe that statement there is a transition to what he is about to say, not going back to the previous subject, but to a new subject about divisions that are taking place, factions, and the Lord's Supper not being celebrated in the right way. So let me read this again. But in giving this instruction, I do not praise you because you come together not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that divisions exist among you, and in part, I believe it. Now that's going all the way back to the beginning of the letter. We talk about divisions, divisions that were taking place at that point by a teacher. Some say I'm of Paul, some say I'm of Apollos, some say that I'm of Cephas. So divisions existed in the beginning of this letter based upon different preachers or leaders within the church that they want to identify with. Here is going to be divisions that are taking place that are actually coming out of the Lord's Supper. So there are divisions that exist among you that he believes. And in this context, it's going to be divisions that are taking place because of their remembering of the Lord's Supper. Verse 19, For there must also be factions among you, so that those who are approved may become evident among you, or manifest among you. Verse 19, that through these divisions and these factions, it should be clear to the body of Christ who is approved by God and who is not approved by God. And I believe as we look at all of these individual situations, those that are coming before the church or before the body that reflect the character of God should be very evident and manifested to the congregation. And those that are self-centered, those that are not reflecting the character of God, it should be evident as well. So here it's in their life, in their actions, should show who's approved by God, who are ones that you should listen to, and who are the ones that are self-centered, that are not doing right, should also be apparent to everybody within the body. But this is not always the case, for un, not for unbelieving, but for immature believers. For immature believers, we see they should have grown up, but they were still immature here in the Corinthian church. They should be eating meat, but they're still drinking milk. 
there are many within this congregation that have not grown up in the things of God. So let me read this verse again. For there must also be factions among you, so that those who are approved may become evident among you. Therefore, when you meet together, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in your eating, each one takes his own supper first, and one is hungry, and another is drunk. Now let's talk about this, Alan, here. He is saying your meeting together is not about the Lord's Supper. It shouldn't be about that, this in this context, that one is hungry and one is drunk. One is eating in an abundance of food. It was called the Agape Feast that we read about in the history of the first century church and even beyond that that they would have a meal together afterwards, and in that meal, the Lord's Supper was celebrated within that supper. It's not about the Lord's Supper if it's in the context if one is hungry and the one has an abundance and one is getting drunk. Now, were they actually getting drunk? That's what it says. But what the understanding is, is one has an abundance and one doesn't have anything. So, how can you celebrate the Lord's Supper together if you have one table over here where there's not any food and there's another table over here that has an abundance of food even to the point that people are getting drunk on wine? That's the imagery that we have here. So that statement in verse 20 is not to say that we don't ever celebrate the Lord's Supper together, but in the context, it is not about to eat the Lord's Supper if one is hungry and one is drunk. You can almost say when, when you're meeting together, you're not doing it to eat the Lord's Supper because one is eating, takes his own first, one is hungry and another is drunk. It's the exact opposite of what they should be there representing and celebrating by, you know, remembering the Lord, the Lord's Supper. They're doing the exact opposite by, by someone that's hungry. They're not giving anything to them. Just like a big party almost. And the ones that have a lot are there. They're full, they're drunk. And you have these other people, believers in the body of Christ, that are hungry and they don't want to share. And it's just, yeah, it's exactly. a lot of chaos. Yes, and... Those two statements, I believe, in verses 20 and 21 should go together. And I believe the four is in the context of because. Mm -hmm. Verse 20, therefore, when you meet together, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. Someone may say, well, don't we always celebrate the Lord's Supper, how important it is? But you got to look at verse 21, because or for in your eating, each one takes his own supper first and one is hungry and another is drunk because the way that you're celebrating the Lord's Supper, you're celebrating it within this meal, a greater context, and the factions exist within the Lord's Supper because one is hungry and one is drunk. And this is not why you come together for the Lord's Supper. So you must see it within that context. Uh, because if you just take one statement, you would say, oh, when we meet together as a body of, of the Messiah, it's not about the Lord's Supper. We don't even need to take the Lord's Supper. Yeah. But it's not about the Lord's Supper if you're doing this, one is hungry and one is drunk. Then it becomes not a positive that builds up the body of Christ, but it becomes a negative that builds factions. And through these factions, we should see who's approved and who's not approved. Yeah. If you've got a guy over here 
that says that he has his own little group and he's eating in abundance. And over here, there's a family that doesn't have food and he's not willing to give anything to them. You see, it's very clear that these factions exist, that you can see who is of God and who is not of God. Yeah, you almost have to hear the tone, and it's really hard to do that, you know, just reading it. But yeah, I could see where that is. It's like saying, Scott and Alan, when you meet together, it's not to do a podcast. You're talking about sports and all these other things, you know. And if you you hear the the way Paul is saying it, yeah, that makes sense now. Yeah, it must be done in the right way. Yeah, It must honor God. But now it's building factions. And so it's not about the Lord's Supper. Mm-hmm. It's they're dishonoring the Lord's Supper. And this should not be. In fact, when you get to the last verse of this chapter, if you're doing this, just it's, if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home. This is not what the Lord's Supper is all about. Let's go to verse 22. What? Exclamation point. Do you not have houses in which to eat and drink? Or do you despise the ecclesia of God, the gathering of God, the church of God, and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? In this way, I will not praise you. This is wrong. Mm -hmm. This is not of God. I I will even say this is evil. It's showing partiality. It's giving preference to one family over another. This family has an abundance. They can bring food. They can eat and have a great time and then take the Lord's cup and take the bread and have communion together. And this family over here cannot. Paul is saying, I will not praise you in this. This is not the Lord's Supper of how it needs to be celebrated. Then he's going to go to the way that it should be celebrated. And this starts in verse 23. Can you read verses 23 through 26? Verse 23. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. And I love that last statement because in verse 26, we are remembering his body and his blood that was shed for us in the Lord's Supper. This is what it's all about. It's not about people having lots of food to eat and some not having anything but it's about remembering his body, remembering the blood that was shed for us, and we're to do this until he comes, which is a declaration that Jesus is alive. So I tell people, yes, we're remembering, and this is done in remembrance. It doesn't actually become the body, and it doesn't actually become the blood like some denominations and groups teach. No, it's done in remembrance of his body, remembrance of his blood that was shed, that brought about a new covenant, and we're to do this as the body of Christ until he comes again. He's alive. 
It's a celebration that he's alive. And every time that we partake of this, it's a declaration that Jesus is alive. He's coming again. And let's celebrate his mercy and his grace of what God has done for us. He has established a new covenant in his blood. And let's remember this as often as we meet together. As we come together, let's remember this until he comes again. And the power of that, within the body of the Messiah. As we come together and we take of the bread and we take of the juice and we drink it together and we remember his body, we remember his blood, the new covenant, and we're to do this as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup. Every time that you do this, you're proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes again. Remembering what he did, but he's alive. His mercy and grace has come to our lives and we're forgiven in his name. A new covenant has been established by his blood, but he's alive and he's coming again. And there should be a celebration at the end. I believe every time that we celebrate the Lord's Supper, as we remember it, a celebration, he's alive. And because he's alive, we live and we continue to remember. Amen. I like I like that at the end, you know, until he comes, and um, you know a lot of a lot of different congregations and churches do communion in different ways and celebrate it. Um, but you know, in my mind, I like to think it's almost a toast with the, when you're drinking the juice, and it's till he comes, and that's you know, and you remember it. Yes. Um, yeah, and it's just powerful when you think about that. We're really celebrating that, remembering it, and he's coming, and we can drink the juice, his blood, till right. he comes. Yes, to take the bread and the wine, to bring it together, to remember it in the proper context, remembering his death, and it's a declaration. Every time that we do that, he's alive, and we're to do that until he comes again. Now in verse 27, now we're going to get into the judgment of those that are celebrating the Lord's Supper within this larger context of this meal together, the agape feast, some would call it, and doing it in the wrong way. And the consequences of direct consequences for sin. And there is consequences for sin directly sometimes. Indirectly, all sickness and all death comes indirectly from the first sin. However, sometimes there is direct consequences for sin that comes into our lives. And this is one of the examples that Paul's going to teach the church at Corinth. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. And contextually here, because everything that you and I are doing is about original intent. What does Paul have in his mind? He's looking at this greater feast and the sin of partiality of some having an abundance and some not having anything, and remembering the Lord's Supper in that context. We are to look at this and look if we are doing that. Now, it can be a broader context as, as we think about sin, but specifically it's talking about this sin of partiality of the haves and have-nots within the Supper of the Lord and not celebrating it together as a body of believers, as one body, one family, and doing it in the right way. If you partake of it in an unworthy manner, shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. 
That means instead of understanding the mercy and grace of God in this celebration, it is bringing judgment upon those that are taking it in an unworthy way. You say, no, that's not possible. Let's go on and continue to read. But a man must examine himself, and in so doing he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. If he looks out over the congregation and if he does not judge the right way that this should be done and he is participating in partiality, the sin of partiality here, and not doing it correctly, he drinks and eats judgment to himself. So for those that are creating factions on the issue of food and the Lord's Supper, there is a strong warning that you are bringing judgment to yourself. Verse 30, For this reason, many among you are weak and sick, and a number sleep. That means they have died. The judgment of God had come upon the Corinthian church. They're getting together weekly, monthly, year by year, and they've been celebrating the Lord's Supper in a wrong way, and they don't have any conviction to change what they are doing. Factions have been developing over the Lord's Supper. And by doing this, some of them have gotten sick because of sin. This is why I said sickness sometimes is directly linked to a person's sin. And here's one good example of that. It's not every time. We understand that from John chapter 9. They want to know who sinned that this man was born blind. Did he sin or did his parents sin? Jesus said, no, neither sin, but this man was born this way in order that the works of God might be demonstrated in his life. So it wasn't because of a direct sin that he was born blind there. So indirectly, yes, but God wanted to demonstrate through his Messiah, his power, that a revelation will come to everyone that was there that the power of God could be demonstrated within this man's life. And did you know one of the signs historically to the Jewish people of that day that they will know that the Messiah has come is when, they, when he opens the eyes of a man born blind. You can read it in their literature about the Messiah. So God was demonstrating his power through his Messiah on that day so the people can know that he opened the eyes of a man born blind. It wasn't because of his sin directly that he was in that situation. But here is direct consequences of individual sin. Let me read it again. If you're going to argue with me, argue with this statement. For, the, for this reason, many among you are weak and sick and a number sleep. But if we judge ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. What Paul is saying, if you look at your life and you have judged yourself rightly, you have examined your life and you say, this is wrong, we should not be doing this, then you're on the right path. You're judging rightly. And, and Scott, I've, I've thought about this even, even when we're talking through this, but could we say in this context that this was this was sort of a, a prideful issue? You know, when we're looking at the ones that are hungry, another's drunk, and then you're despising 
and shaming those that have nothing. So I, I get a visual in my head of these different tables and you have sort of this wealthy family that's there with all this abundance and then this poor, you know, kind of family that's still all in the body of Christ and they're drinking, eating and looking down on this family, you know, saying I'm, I'm better than you in the body because we have more. The Lord has blessed me more, yes. almost. They're thinking that, right? And they're yes. saying, well, these Christian brothers and sisters, you must not be doing it, doing th- things right. You know, I'm, I have more favor of the Lord. Yes. And it could kind of infer that. Yes, I believe so. I, I believe uh, that if you go back to the first letter that was written, uh, Jacob, to the, the Jewish believers, he says, when a man of wealth comes into your meetings, don't give him the front seat and tell the man that is poor, go sit back in the back. Yeah. That sin of partiality is something that man struggles with all the time, believers struggle with. Um, think uh, on a practical way today that how we give preference to those that come into the body, say a local body of believers. And uh, because they're from a wealthy background or from a political background that has influence, how we cater to them. And we cater to them, and then we abandon some of the people that just walked in off of the street. Both are precious to God. Both have to come to God by Jesus, their Savior. Both deal with sin. Both have the same issues within their life, and we should be treating them in an equal way when it comes to how we treat them within the body. And this could be what we call that ugly head popping itself up again. We don't know specifically why they're doing this. It could be from spiritual arrogance based upon their wealth, those kind of things, and these people are not blessed of God as much as we're blessed. It could be. We don't know specifically, but factions are developing over the Lord's Supper. And we better judge rightly, and there should not be partiality within the Lord's Supper. This is why when we celebrate it together, the pastor usually says, has everyone been served? Is there anyone that has not been served? And we're not going to partake of it until everyone has been served because we don't want to show any partiality. We, we want to make sure we're one body and you're to examine. And the pastor will say, examine your lives. Is your heart right with God? Are you living in sin? If there is something, do not partake of this in an unworthy manner because directly it can bring judgment upon your life. And so that's where some of these principles come from here in what Paul is saying. Now let's look at verse 32 because this is important. But when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord so that we will not be condemned along with the world. You remember I changed my wording earlier. I said not condemned, but judged. The judgment comes so as discipline, in the context of discipline. Some have gotten sick because they're doing this. Hopefully they will recognize that sin is bringing this about. But they are judged in order to be disciplined by the Lord so that they will not be condemned like the world is. So it won't lead to an understanding that they're going to be condemned by God. And so this has to stop within the Corinthian church. Paul has gotten word of it. He says, I believe it. I'm going to write about it. And we're going to deal with this. 
And so let's go to verses 33 and 34. So then, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. Wait. If you're in a buffet, whatever it is, <laughs> if you're having a meal together, you wait and you make sure everybody has enough food. And if you're a, a well-discipled believer, you wait. You don't go and eat and go back for seconds before the others have even been served. This is important, that we're a body, we're a family. What father would sit down with his children and eat all the food and then go get a second before his children have food to eat? You would think he's a horrible father. Same way in the body of the Messiah. What shepherd would sit down and eat the best of the food and get enough and get seconds and thirds and some people have been waiting for an hour and they never get food. That's one reason why I don't like the concept, oh pastor, you come and eat first. The shepherd should be making sure that everybody's going to eat. And we're not talking about Marxism, communism, (laughs) socialism. We're talking about the body of the Messiah to make sure that when we come together, wait for one another. We're one body. We're a family. Let's wait. Yeah, and that's the that's the servant's servant's heart that yes. that we should all have because Jesus is inside of us and he he served yes. and and put himself last. Yes, um, in in a lot of ways. And yeah, that's that's a good attitude to have. But right. you're right. If you did see a father or a leader for that matter, you know, sit mm-hmm. down and say, well, yeah, let me get my fill. Let me go back. And then there's five or six people that are not going to get anything, but this, right. you know, leader is, is full and drunk or whatever it is. You know, that would just say, anyone would say, that's not right. Yes. And the world would say yeah, that. Even Some the world, people yeah. in the world would look at that and say, that's not right, even though that's a worldly perspective. Yeah. But we're the body of the Messiah, and this is not the way that we celebrate the Lord's Supper. Verse 34, he summarizes in verses 33 and 34. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that you will not come together for judgment. The remaining matters I will arrange when I come. He is saying, all of this that's going on, guys, just eat at your house. But when you come together for the Lord's Supper, let's do it in the right way. And this has got to stop. And if you don't stop it and celebrate the Lord's Supper in the right way, There is judgment that is coming upon people, and some of you are sick because of it, and some of you have died because of God's judgment that has come against the body of believers. And I believe through all of these factions that have taken place, you can see who is of God and who is not of God. You can see who is a servant of God and who is a servant of themselves. And it makes very clear who represents God, and who doesn't represent God. And God's causing some of them to get sick over this. And so let's honor the Lord's Supper. Let's celebrate it in the right way. It's not about how much food we get. It's about taking of the bread and the cup, blessing it, and remembering his death until he comes again. And let's pray. Alan, can you pray for us? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word, God. We thank you, God, that you can speak through us, God, through the writings, God, of Paul to the church at Corinthians. Lord, I pray that anything that was spoken on this podcast that was not of you would be taken away, God, but that what you are speaking through Paul 
to the church through this letter, Lord, that the hearers of this message, God, and the hearers that are listening to this would hear what you are speaking, God, not what we are speaking, Lord, but what you are speaking, Lord. And I pray that you would bless the people that listen to us, God, continue to show us in our life, God, continue to show us how to operate rightly, Lord, and make sure that we are checking ourselves, Lord, and convict us, God, of anything that is not right. And just show us, Lord, how to be there for the body, God, how to judge ourselves, Lord, so that we will not be judged. And we thank you, God, for your word. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. If you'd like to learn more about IGM or have any questions about this podcast, feel free to reach out to us at info at and connect with us on Instagram at integrity underscore global and Facebook at integrity global missions. If you like our podcast, please share it and leave a review. Thank you for listening. Have a blessed day.